Okay, so this is our first attempt. That's true, we're going to have a lot of technical issues, but things will, will iron themselves out. I wanted specifically to uh, continue the Tanakh series, which we had gotten up to Nehemiah, and uh, use Nehemiah as our break-in so that we can uh, both address what, what Chaim Davies asked for earlier today, which was Inyanim for Israchak, it would be fitting for Simchas um, to try to get a better sense of what's going on, and to give us a chance to break in this uh, group so that we can, first of all, get over the technical issues, and secondly, so that we can learn to communicate on easier levels than is going to be demanded is going to be demanded uh, from us when it comes to Nevi'im uh, Achroni. So this should, be, uh, this should be relatively easy. The reason that Nehemiah has a great deal to do with the um, issues of Simchas Torah, I don't know if, if you share my feeling, but it's hard to believe that you don't, But because it seems so obvious to me but and, and so built into it. But if, if somebody doesn't feel this way, I'd like to know. But I, I, I find Shemini Atzeres to be a very difficult time. In other words, the, the idea of the Yichud, of Yisrael, and all of the great things that, that we read about, and that we know it's the Uma Yechida, and it's supposed to, supposed to be the time at which there's the Gilu, of the special relationship to Yisrael, and instead, Simchas Torah seems to be literally out of control. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just not a happy time. It's people trying to be happy, and they're not happy. And it's, it's just schleppy, and it's kvetchy, and it's, it's people that are having a much harder time than usual, being mistabic takarish borchu. That's the way I feel. But you don't see on Simchas Torah the godless of Yisrael coming out. If anything, it's a time of real wildness and unpleasantness, and not the time in which you would most feel uh, Yisrael. And that's, that's strange. And if you take a look, amazing, if you take a look at the Shir uh, Shoyom, we know that in Masechet Sofrim, this is the way uh, most people have the minute, in Masechet Sofrim it says that the Shir Shoyom is La Matzeh which is great. La Matzeh sounds wonderful. That's all about Mila, Shemitna B'Shminit, and, and uh, yeah, that should talk about the godless of Yisrael. The problem is, that begins with there's nothing left, it's terrible, everything is a disaster, and it ends crazy, with, it's just not so long, and it ends with the post of which is when things that are kirum. Am I supposed to be able to take your beautiful smile there? I'm just, I'm just supposed to... You, this is what you did in the shir when you were here in, per, in person. It's intolerable. I can't concentrate on the shir. Block yourself out or something. <laughs> I'm joking. So, so the Karum Zulut, as the Gemara says, when things that are Buruma Shalola become Zulut, become cheap to people... So that's when Rishayim just walk around freely, and there's a, doesn't seem to be anything, anything to, that's real, and that's 
it's unbelievable that that was chosen as the Shir Shalom of Simchas Torah because it's exactly what you feel. It's Kirum Zulut. This is supposed to be unbelievable. This is the time of, you know, maximum Chashivut, Vayim Berum HaShalala, Uma Yechida, finally a Zorcha to the Gilei of all of the, the things in Mesechet Sukkah, you know, the, the destruction of the Yetzirah, and the Hespit on the Yetzirah, Rafi, how come I don't get any live feed from you? And so on. And, um, you know, all that we find instead is Kirum Zulut Adam, which is which is amazing. And that's why I think that this Sefer particularly has a very profound connection to that transition. And amazingly, the story in Sukkah, about Mesechet Sukkah, about the destruction of the Yetzirah, the Bitol Yetzirah, and the, the, the story of the Baya Baya, and everything else, is, is here. It's, it, it's in Nehemiah. It's the, the, that's where it says, Lo Azot, from the time of Yoshua ben Nun. Like this was, this was a time at which uh, everybody thought, you know, it's, it's awful. And this was the time of the Bitul Yetzar, which is remarkable. It was a Bitul Yetzar because people had given up. You know, as the Gemara says, they said, you know, what, what's the whole point? The whole reason that we have a Yetzar was only in Kadesh de Kabel Sachar, and all it's doing is screwing us up. So forget it. So we won't get the scar, but at least we won't have to go through this. So, I mean, in a sense, you know, the Gemara makes of it, this whole thing, and the, the ultimate hespit on the Yetzirah, but, but, I mean, it was really like a desperate kind of move in which that was the chashivas of that sukkah that says that they were bavato the Yetzirah. But uh, even in a, in a deeper way than that, the, the tone of Nechemia, is even more primitive than the tone of Ezra. As you get a tremendous sense of actually being there at that time, the language is primitive, the interactions are primitive, you sense yourself back in the whole Boval and Poras milieu. And we're going to see later on in the, in the second part, we're going to see that 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 Nehemiah actually paraphrases Esther. And he feels himself to be continuing the same situation that she was in. And he uses literally the words that she uses when she goes in to speak to Achashverosh, and she's really talking to Achashverosh, where she's really being miscavenet, and and there people think, okay, that's crazy. I mean, what? I mean, what makes you think she's being mitkavenet to Melech Machem Lachim? I mean, yeah, it's a nice drasha. In Nechemia, he says so. Beferish, <laughs> it's amazing. He says, and I dove into Hashem, and I said to the king, Imal Melatov. So he announces that he's davening to Hashem. I mean, it's like the the ultimate Esther kind of thing. So he's, he's living really like a double identity in which, on the one hand, he's in the lowest of situations. They had to give Nehemiah, they actually called Nehemiah a different name. They called him Hatashatas. We'll see, he appears, he appears throughout Tanakh as Nehemiah Hatashata. Why come Hatashata, the Gemara says? Because he tears Hatashata, they had to be matir him to drink 
wine of Goyim. Why? Because that was his job. Basically, his in with the Melech was that he was the wine taster. He would, he would provide the wine. So he developed a very buddy-buddy kind of relationship around this wine, and um, which we'll see the significance of later. But, but Lamaisa threw that, and apparently that's why they were moderate, as, as some of the Rishonim point out, through that he was able to be poil with the Melech for the Teva of Yisrael. But it's all like from really low down, essentially. It's not... It's in an amazing tefillah. I mean, he tells HaKadosh Baruch Hu that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should allow him to success of rebuilding Yerushalayim here because well, people want to have Yerushalayim. <laughs> They would like to have Yerat Shemaim. I understand, you know, okay, but they'd like to have Yerat Shemaim. And he comes and, like, he's facing a situation which is awful. And that's how the whole book starts, as we'll see. And when he arrives, he, find, he finds, like, the population is totally assimilated. They're all married to Gaisha women. You know, Chilol Shabbos is just like totally rampant. People are openly, you know, there's stores open on Shabbos and so on. And like this is what he's coming to, to reconstruct Yerushalayim. So it's a pretty amazing kind of setting. And, and, and I, I have a theory, but be, before the theory, let's just get into it a little bit to hear a little, uh, the sense of what's happening over here. And um, ready? Yes, uh, sir. Just, uh, just as like a historical uh, backdrop, the, the split between Ezra and Nehemiah, um, in other words, in terms of in terms of the actual authoring of the book. Well, we'll, we'll get to this uh, right I, away. I guess I've heard different things. Uh, we'll get to it right away. Let's. Uh, it's basically it's basically the first first two words. It says Divrei Nehemiah. Okay. So that's where we have that problem. Uh, so as Chaim points out, I mean, there's actually steer in the Gemara because the Gemara in Baba Basra talks about the fact that uh, Ezra katav sifro, and uh, and then uh, in Sanhedrin it says that Nehemiah was kotev uh, sifro, uh, sefer Ezra. As a matter of fact, there really is, as you know, no sefer Nehemiah in the Jewish canon. There's just uh, sefer Ezra. So basically, I mean, Rashi's approach to the sugi apparently just says kibshutai over there in, in, in Sanhedrin that Nehemiah was katav rov sefer Ezra, and that's because this sefer sefer Nehemiah is uh, is actually rov of the two svarim. So I mean, there seems to be part of it was actually written by Ezra, part of it was written by Nehemiah. And what's more, when we get to the seventh parak, we'll see that Nehemiah actually quotes Ezra. The entire census is redone with like a number of fascinating changes in names and numbers and families, constructs and so on. But it's obviously that what he's doing is he's attempting to show the development from the time of Ezra to his time, which itself is the Machlokas we're showing him. So let's take a look just at these first few psukim just to get ourselves um, oriented in time. So, Divrei Nechemia ben Chachalia, Vayibachodesh Kislev Shnat Esrim, 
ואני הייתי בשושן הבירה. First of all, the Shushan Habira is like so striking, you know. It takes you right back to the story of Esther. It takes you right back to standing in front of the child of Esther and Akashverosh, you know, this is Daryavish. And um, there he is in Shushan Habira. What has happened until now, as we know, is that there was this massive beginning at the time of Koresh, which the Gemara ends up saying, well, that was just for Pekita B'Yalma. So, and, and we know the whole, the Gemara's drasha, that uh, Koresh is Mishichi, and the Gemara says, what, Vachi Koresh Rashiachu, and it answers that uh, this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm really upset with you, Koresh. I said that I want you to go and to rebuild Eretz Yisrael, and all you do is you put out some kind of ridiculous Balfour declaration. You know, anybody who wants to go is allowed to go. This is what I'm asking you. But Lamaisa, this was a Pekita Biyama, and we know that things did not go very well. And in the end, the, um, even the rights that were given by Koresh, because of all of the the Kitve Sina and so on that started right away, they were Mavato, the building of the base of Indash, and it was an 18-year gap and uh, till our rebuilding of Yerushalayim here, till he starts off. And um, it was only in the sixth year of Daryavesh that we find that the Ezra story finally got the base of Indash built. But as we'll see here, we're taking up from where Ezra left, because there's not a word in Ezra about the situation of Yerushalayim. And fascinatingly, we have two books, essentially. One book is about the Beis HaMikdash, and that's Ezra's book, and one book is about Yerushalayim, and that's Nehemiah's book. And his entire focus, as we'll see right away, is on Yerushalayim, not on the Beis HaMikdash, which means that he has an entirely different focus, right? Because, I mean, obviously, a Beis HaMikdash is like, it's very suitable for Ezra. You know, it's like this, 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 high-level idea of Avedas uh, Hashem, the hopes that the Shekhinah will appear there, Ezra Sofer was Roy for Kolotar Kula, which could have been given by him, and that he was like Moshe Rabbeinu at his time, so Ezra Sofer Agadol, Moshe Sofer Agadol, nah, this is like the second layer. It's not at all like anything that we saw before, and let's take a look what it is that triggers amazing things that triggered Nehemiah to want to be the builder of Yerushalayim. So he says, so this is Shnat Esrim. Now the Gemara, it doesn't say Shnat Esrim to whom? And in fact, this is the, the Mephoshim point out, you can't just say Shnat Esrim if this really was a new book. It's insane. It's a new book saying Shnat Esrim and not say Shnat Esrim to what? That's like, what? So obviously this is a continuation of what we've been talking about before, otherwise you can't say Shnat Esrim. In fact, the Gemara, if you'll recall, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah says Shnat Esrim, Shnat Esrim is Gzereshava. So later we're going to have Shnat Esrim, where it says Beferish, that it was to Artachshasta, which is Daryavish. Now, this leads to a massive Machlokas Rashi and Tosa, where actually Tosa in the end has a shot that backs up Rashi also. But as Tosis points out, look, the, the Pashtas of this whole story over here 
is that the, the, the story of Nehemiah must have been before the building of the Beit HaMikdash. Because, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. If in the sixth year of Daryavish, the Beit was already built, and right, and they make the whole the whole celebration, Shitsa, Beta, Dina, and this was like, we finished it in the sixth year, and if this is really supposed to be in the 20th year, so now, during that time, wouldn't Yisrael Sestosis already have been in a matzav of Hashketu Bitcha? I mean, they've had, they've had the base of Migdash for all these years here, and um, he brings other eyes from the Gemara, and therefore he claims, Tosfos, that when it says Shnatasrim, Shnatasrim, Xerashova, it means Shnatasrim for Koresh, not for, not for the first Koresh, which is the, the basically the third year of Daryavesh, the son of Esther, and it means that he was the one that was triggering the the restart of the base of English, because it says that's the positive that the Gemara brings from Ezra, but then Betela Tavidat Betelaha. Then we had the words of Nehemiah getting Rishos to rebuild. Now, the truth is, Tosva says, look, I mean, but that's not what it seems to be the Gemara is saying. And therefore he says, look, maybe the truth is that in the second year of Daryavesh, indeed they built a base in Mikdash that took until year six, but they didn't do anything about Yerushalayim. It was only the Beit HaMikdash. And in fact, because of that, they had no defense system. They had only the rights to a spiritual life. And this is the way that many of the Mephoshim explain. Why indeed did Ezra not go on to build Yerushalayim? And explain that in fact Ezra didn't have Rishus to do anything except to be a spiritual leader. So in other words, the original Rishus that was given to Ezra in terms of a building based on Migdash is about spirituality. It's about that, that was what it presented to the king, and that this is the same way that Koresh allowed every nation to have their connection to God. This is the connection, you know. And on the contrary, in the base of Migdash, there's Carbonus that are brought for all of the Goyim. Mamash referenced the Sukkot. And indeed, that's the Gemara that Koresh sent Carbonus, Tayyavish sent Carbonus, and provided for the ongoing coming of the Carbonus and so on. But Ezra didn't even dare bring up the issue of whether he could build Yerushalayim because that would have completely destroyed his Shlichut. But that may be logistically, you understand what's going on? But in reality, it means that we have two very different madrigot here. So you have the madriga of Ezra, where the focus is really on avodat shamayim, on the restoration of the shechina, which never happened. Remember that in the Bayit Cheney, the shechina wasn't shera. You know, so all all those dreams never, never actually reached fulfillment. And instead, everything switches here to something entirely different. And I want to suggest that that entirely different is very, very much related to Simcha's Torah. And it's the transition to the absolutely lowest level, but the identification of what that lowest level would be 
of Yisroel, which we'll get back to. And therefore, it starts as follows. So, this friend of mine, Echad Miachai, Huvi Anashim Yehuda. So there's this group of people that come up from Yehuda, and I, the Chemia Veshalim Ala Yehudima Pleitash and Isharumin Ashevi Val Yerushalayim. So I asked them two questions. How is the Pleita, the people who have survived from the Shevi, and how is Yerushalayim? And this Rashi point, these were two completely different questions. And in fact, they're answered separately. So I asked, Rashi goes out of the way, Val Yerushalayim, Al Inyan Ha'ir Sha'alti Aliyah. How is the city doing, not the people? What does that mean, how is the city doing? And what's, he has this sense specifically of a loyalty to the city, qua city, utterly aside from the issue of how it is that the B'nai Yisrael are doing. And by the way, there's a big question of here, what is the meaning of Hanisharim Asher Nisharum and Ashevi Sham Bamedina? What does that mean? And the Malbim uses this to say that there were two completely different groups. All the people that had never ever left Eretz Yisrael. Those were the Dalata Eretz, the people that were left. And there's even an amazing Ramban, has, he doesn't say it here in the country, he says it in the second Megillah. But the Gemara over there says that there was, uh, the Takana was that the cities that were there, remote Yoshua ben Nun, so they have the din of the, the uh, Dafka, the cities that are, that are Mukafot Choma. Why did they choose that? See, Rushami says they chose that out of a COVID for Israel. The Ramban Tainas, that that makes absolutely no sense if it made no difference to people that were in those cities, that they were Mukaf Choma. It only would make sense if, and this is what he suggests, which everybody, Ron goes through a whole list of riots to show that this Ramban makes no sense. He says the most astonishing thing, that even though we have that famous count in Ezra, which only 40-some thousand people came along with Ezra to rebuild the Beit HaMikdash, he says that has nothing to do with the number of people that were in Eretz Israel at the time. Those were just the people that came up with Ezra. But the fact is that when Koresh had made his proclamation, everybody went back. Then when the Beit HaMikdash building was bought, okay, so there were people that went back because they gave up hope. So they moved back to Bava because they were disappointed in the period of the Pekida. So in any event, there were, that would mean that there were two groups. The the Malvam Tainas, that the Ezra group couldn't have been in bad shape because Ezra was empowered by the Melech as a separate group. He had the right and he had the money that was provided for the Melech to provide for them. So what happened to that? How would they attack the people that were under the direct protection of the king? Therefore, Tainas and Malvam were two totally different groups. There was the people that were still living there that had never been dragged to Bavel. And then there was the Ezra group, but the Ezra group wasn't the Amazon. However one understands this, what Hanani said to him was Vayom Ruli, and you notice that Hanani addresses the two questions separately. Vayom Ruli, 
On your first question about the Nisharu Minashevi, you should know that the Nisharu Masha Nisharu Minashevi are there Bamedina Bira Uvekerpa. They are in awful shape. They are the lowest of the low, despised by the local population, without any hope. And your second question about Yerushalayim, as Yerushalayim, Chomat Yerushalayim Miforatzet, the walls of Yerushalayim are completely broken. They're just wide open to anybody. Usha'areh Nitzetuva aged the same fire from the time of Nebuchadnezzar that had destroyed the city. There has been absolutely no change. But for all intents and purposes, you're coming back here, it's really great. There's a Beit HaMikdash that everybody's celebrating, set in the middle of a Churban. He was so shocked at hearing this that he literally, he went into Avelis. Yashafti. I get down on the floor, and I'm crying. And for days, if someone says, that he kept Shiva's Yemei because it was like hearing a Pesura Ra, and I was an oval for days. And I fasted, and I was dominating to HaKadosh Baruch Okay, so that means that this, this what, the thing that moved him was the response to his initial concern, not only for the people in the Am, but for the nature of Yerushalayim, for the nature of the Machana. One could say even that in the same way that we know that we have Parshas Nasa, which is an extension of the Mishkan and of the Machana, the Machana into the, the Machana Shechina into the Machana of Yisrael itself, and we have over there all the special dinim of the Kedusha that goes on, and the Zeros, and, and the Tuma, and so on and so forth. He apparently was doing the same thing. In other words, he recognized that just having a Mishkan is not enough, and there needs to be a zone called Machana Yisrael. And if you don't have that zone, you don't have a place for Yisrael. And that zone, essentially, could very well be the concept that we were talking about on Shemini and Hoshan Rabbah, could be the concept of the Sukkah, the idea that is making on, like, just like the Ananiya Kavan, a place where you can survive. The Sukkah Tielet Sel Yoman. And just as this here, he's looking for the walls of Yerushalayim, that are meant to him to become a survival zone. The same idea is that post Sukkot, we need to find ourselves exactly that, a zone of survival. So that in terms of what we understood, which was the bringing the Umasa'ilam and developing a theory of mind for the Umasa'ilam, there is a concept called the theory of mind of Yisrael, which we miss because we only think about the Besamekdash, essentially, meaning the mitzvahs and Aveda and Elam Haba and all the issues that we think about. Or we think about religion. And if we think about Yisrael, it's only within the context of that. And developing a theory of mind about Yisrael, 
would be a completely new world because it gives you something else to connect to and it makes it possible to grow that space. Whereas, as we know, all of the attempts to recreate the Beis Hamikdash as the place for Yisrael have been so disastrous because every religious movement and every Balchuva movement, and it's just been a disaster because of the fact that it does not have a sense of Yisrael qua Yisrael, and it does not provide a zone of survival. There isn't any zone of survival. It's awful. The truth is, the more religious the community, the more horrific the sense of not having a place is. And it's all, everything is defined exactly as Karach defined it. You know, well, they're all Kadeshim, and every house has its exact, you know, exactly the same pictures of the Kadeshim. And it's like you, you just feel miserable. Like, where do people live, you know? And this, I think, could be the focus of our meetings. So anyway, this was our introduction. We'll continue on. I'll try to provide some additional focus. Listen to your, listen to your responses. We'll continue on on WhatsApp. I got to run to Myron. You got to run to life. And I love you all. Go to. Okay. The zone is very nice.